Hi everyone, welcome to the feedback uh, session for the good answer for uh, the ethics scenario based on mental capacity. Um, so my name is Danik Pereira, I'm joined by Justin who um, answered the question. So, so Justin, I think overall your answer is very good. Um, and um, so let's just remind ourselves of the scenario. So you're an IMT doctor looking after an 85-year-old gentleman in, on a ward who has severe heart failure, COPD, kidney failure, and cognitive impairment. Been admitted to hospital with a community-acquired pneumonia and needing antibiotics. However, the, the daughter is not happy um, about the, the ward-based ceiling of care and the DNAR that's being put in place by the admitting team. And it's about how you manage it. So overall, I think you had a very good structure. You you talked about seeking information, so about reading through the notes, finding out about prior decisions uh, and prior discussions with the patient. And you also talked very clearly about the fact that you would want to talk to the patient and assess their capacity. Because, you know, yes, there is a power of attorney in place here with, with the daughter, but actually if the patient has capacity, then actually your discussion should be with the patient because, the pa you know, it's all about autonomy and, you know, respecting the patient's wishes and, you know, actually um, the other, you know, the very good point that you made about, um, you know, information governance, you know, if the patient is capacitors, then of course the first discussion should be with them um, and respecting the autonomy or their right to choose the care that they receive. And I think the other good point you made was about the fact that, um, you know, while patients do have the ability to um, decline treatment options provide, um, offered to them, they don't necessarily have the, the um, right to demand certain treatments because really, ideally, it should be a medical team that decides on the appropriateness of the treatment offered. Now, in a situation like this where there is a, you know, there's conflict of, um, of um, uh, opinion, then I think one of the things that you could potentially mention is the fact that you know, you might want to seek a you know, second opinion. In fact, you might want to offer a second opinion, um, you know, and you did mention the fact that um, you talk to your consultant and arrange a family meeting, which is essentially a second opinion or an opportunity for people to sort of highlight their concerns. Um, and the purpose of that is not necessarily to, um, it's not necessarily, it's not always, and I think what, what I remember you mentioning was, you know, the patient may simply be, sorry, the daughter may be happy after that discussion. It's not necessary to, to set your gender through, but it's net, it's actually an opportunity for the, you know, the treating medical team to listen to the family too. So if, if in this situation, as you, as we, you know, imply, you know, sort of imply that the patient has cognitive impairment, by that we assume that the patient does have, you know, doesn't have capacity, then I guess, the question is, is this a more permanent thing or a temporary thing? If, if it's a temporary loss of capacity, then it may be that the daughter is the best place to tell us about the, the patient's baseline uh, functional status. And, you know, and it, it is an opportunity to talk to family and actually get more of a holistic picture of what this patient's baseline is. And, you know, you may, perhaps the medical team will change their mind. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't seem likely here. Now, um, one of the other good things about your answer was the fact that you signposted. So, you know, using the SPICE structure, you went from seeking information to talking about patient safety. And by that, we mean, you know, a DNAR is, is a decision that's there to ensure patient safety and to ensure that inappropriate treatments are provided to a patient. 
you, you know, you moved on to talking about escalations of care and taking the initiative to arrange an appropriate meeting with the relevant teams involved. And then we also talked about supporting your colleagues and your patient and the family about, you know, by offering them the opportunity to get a second opinion and also offering them to actually voice their concerns. So, you know, for example, with the um, uh, with the PALS department, uh, you know, that's a route by which the family members can actually voice their concerns if they, if they do indeed have concerns, even following your discussion. So overall, I think it was a very good structured answer. Um, well, the good thing you meant, you know, the good things you did were um, highlighting the specific issues involved here, which is about capacity, information governance, uh, power of attorney, which is a legal um, state. And in fact, you know, one thing perhaps you should mention is the fact that there's a legal paperwork that's required for that to be valid. And the family needs to produce it on um, at the beginning um, so that before you have any discussions with them. Um, and, and finally, you also mentioned some of the ethical principles that are involved in this as well. For example, you know, beneficence, non-maleficence. Um, so, you know, you did a very good job of sort of going through that and also signposting these as you went along as well. So, overall, good answer. Um, don't think I have much more to add to that station. Thank you. Thank you.